0: So uh, one thing I know about uh, a simple chair, and I want to use that as our metaphor as we get into our theme for the year, is that rarely do we kind of go half in on a chair. You know what I'm talking about? We either don't use the chair, or we like fully sit in a chair and we throw our whole weight down on the chair. That's how we use a chair. Uh, normally we don't see people like sitting on a chair that are kind of like this, you know, they're just a little bit of their weight on it, but the rest they're supporting on their legs we simply go all in on a chair. And that is our focus, that simple metaphor for the next five weeks and really for the whole year. Our theme is this, we want to go all in on God's vision and mission at this local church right here, Wendover Hills Church, all in. You see, what happens sometimes, we might go to a chair and it might, we might not quite be sure about the chair, And we might test the chair a little bit, and we might slowly get into the chair. We might even watch how somebody else uses the chair just to be sure. But once we know that that chair can support us, we'll sit right down, and we go all in at that point. That's even okay in the church setting. If you need some time to check it out, to see, to be sure. But what we're calling every single person to... If you've been at this church a long time, if you're fairly new and you're still kind of checking out the chair, we're calling everyone to be all in, 100%. That simple metaphor, am I sitting in the chair, propped with my legs up, letting them support my full weight, that's all in. That's the metaphor we want to, to put before you and we want you to claim over the course of this year. We want to be all in in our growth and our, our spiritual growth for the Lord. We want to be all in on the use of our gifting and how we serve. We want to be all in 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 what we do with our our finances and our time. We want to be all in to the hilt. And so for the next five weeks, we're just going to walk through a few things that we're talking about of being all in. Is that simple enough? Is that clear enough as we get going on that, what we're talking about? Being all in on something. All right. Uh, This week, though, we're starting with a topic that um, I would say Sometimes in the, in the church world, we're ready to go all in, but we don't really have a foundation in place in our lives. Just about every year, right about this time or a month from now, somebody will show up at the church league softball game, and uh, this is what they'll look like. They'll pop in, and they'll have just bought a new like triple wall bat for about $300. Um, it'll be awesome looking bat. And uh, they're going to show up, and they're going to have really awesome bright white pants on. Um, Usually in Church League softball, we wear like shorts or sweats. Um, They're going to have some some killer Nike cleats on. um, And they're going to look the part of a full-blown player. But one thing is going to be missing... They're about 47 years old, and they haven't touched a softball or baseball since they were about 22. Um, and guaranteed, the first ground ball that they run out is, you know, is going to be a pulled hamstring, and they're going to be laying in bed for a couple of weeks. It just happens every year uh, in, in the softball world. Because sometimes w- we, we like to go out and get the accessories and get the things that makes us look like, hey, I'm ready to go. But what we'd really do is we'd turn to that guy and we'd say, hey, you know what you need? probably just a few days of starting to throw the ball around. Maybe swing in the bat a little bit. Maybe do a little bit of jogging, and then we'll, we'll work that up into some things that you might call sprinting, and that kind of stuff. We'll just build into it. Sometimes in the church world, we are so quick to sign up. I'm going to sign up to get involved in this. I'm going to sign up to do that. I'm going to do this. And we start to fill our schedule with so many good things, good things going on in the church world but we have forgot the foundational thing, and that is our spiritual growth in the Lord. Our spiritual growth. If you are not growing in your Christian walk, can I tell you this morning, you are declining. There is no such thing as a spiritual plateau. We don't get to the point where we're just like, hey, you know, it's like that. Uh, some of those game shows. Once you get to a level, I get to hold on to the money from here. Uh, once, once we quit working on spiritual growth— we leave all kinds of doors open for us to about sliding in our spiritual and our Christian walk. So the very first thing this morning we're going to talk about, we're going to walk through, is this issue of being all in in our growing, in our spiritual growth. So uh, if today's question was like, how do I get my biceps stronger? You know, we would all kind of answer, well, will like go to the gym and start like pumping the curls and, and you'll know, get big biceps, Right. If you were to say, like, how do I get, like, you know, my pecs stronger, I would say, I have no idea. Um, but, no, you would say, well, like, go to the gym and start, like, like, bench pressing or do a few more push-ups and that kind of thing. You'll get a little stronger in that area. But if the question this morning was, how do I get stronger in my faith, do the answers come as easily? How do I get stronger in my faith? Now, some of you are thinking, well, uh, I ought to show up to church more often. Yes, you should. Um, every week without fail, even if the weather's bad, even if you're tired, I'm glad you're here this morning. We have a nice, full church today. Uh, some of you say, I, I, I should pray more. That's always a good idea. Uh, some of you say, I, I should read the scriptures more. And absolutely, I'm an advocate of, of getting into the word every single day. And if you need a comfortable place, a familiar place, read the text and just let the context of the text just work into your life and speak to you, these are all good activities. In fact, they will add muscle to your faith. But if that's all we were to do, if it's all that was necessary to get stronger in our faith, then let me ask, why do so many of us come to church week after week, pray, read our Bible regularly, why do so many suffer from spiritual weakness As often as we do, this question uh, we're gonna address today, I really believe it's what keeps people at churches from being all in, from being fully engulfed in the mission and the vision that God wants to accomplish through a local church. And it's one that uh, really, I think I struggled with a long time in my life to try to give as a minister, to give some realistic answer for this question out there. I would say to myself, if, if, if the God like I love and serve, right, the God that you love and serve, and, and I believe he's like the, like the possessor and the giver of like this unlimited power, and I think he's more than willing through Scripture and stories in Scripture to like impart that power on me, then why so often did myself or Christians feel like we walk around sometimes and we're walking spiritually weak? Why would we ever feel like that? I mean, like, ever, ever would we feel like that if we have this power available to us? And why do we fall so easily to, like, temptations that are around us? And I don't mean just, like, fall one time or twice, but, like, over and over again and again fall for those things. Why don't we step up more to, like, take risk in our faith, risk for Jesus Christ? We say, if I was only stronger, if I was just stronger, we like to use phrases like that. Well, last year, God revealed something to me that I really think, like, reframe this whole question and the answer for this question in my life, and I just want to take the time to share it a bit with you this morning, but in order to do that, I need to take you on a little field trip through some passages of Scripture that, that kind of reveal what God is talking about here, and then I, if you'll hang with me, I promise— like, at the end, you'll see the payoff to this question that we just brought up. So I'm going to start this trip in Egypt. It's the time of the Exodus. It's shortly after the 10th plague, which you might remember is the plague of the angel of death. And after this, Pharaoh, like, finally comes to Moses and says, Look, Moses, you can leave Egypt. Like, take your people and get out. It's what you've wanted all along, so, you know, just Just leave. And so Moses organizes all his people, and they head in the general direction of this promised land that God had already discussed with Moses. Now, you might know the story. Shortly after they left, Pharaoh had a little bit of change of heart here. He decided and looked, um, I just lost all my cheap labor for the kingdom, which will probably throw us into financial ruin here. It's going to affect my power uh, as well. And so uh, this is not good. So he calls like his uh, Egyptian army, this national guard together, and he says, you need to go get the, the Israelites and bring them back to Egypt because uh, it's the only way to protect our economy. And so in a matter of just a few hours, this Egyptian army, as you can imagine, catches up to the uh, really the snail's pace migration of the Israelites as they're headed, and the Israelites, they realize what's happening, and uh, they just start to fall apart as it seems, as you might imagine. They're approaching the banks of the, this uncrossable Red Sea, and behind them is the fast-approaching army of Egypt, and they're coming with obvious evil intent. And so this has really the making. They can see it as a, a really an old-fashioned slaughter that's going to happen. So they cry out to pan, in panic to Moses, as, as you would understand they would. And here's what Moses says. He just says, hey, relax, everyone. Just relax. It's all going to be all right. He says in verse 14, the Lord himself will fight for you, so just stay calm. He says God's strength will be applied to our situation. Now, think about this, the, the, what's going on. The uncrossable Red Sea, the army approaching behind him you in the middle, and Moses, your leader, just saying, we're good. It's all going to be okay. God will apply his power. He says God's given us orders, catch this, to keep walking. Keep marching towards the Red Sea. Verse 16 says, tell the people to keep, or to get moving. Keep moving, and God will intervene, catch this, somewhere between here and there. Let's just stop for just a second and make sure we understand what's, what's going on here. He says, uh, keep marching to the uncrossable Red Sea, and God will intervene somewhere between here and there. Would you have bought an answer like that in that situation? It's, what God is saying is that if you'll just trust me, and you'll just head to the water's edge, then I, I'm going to show up. I'm going to intervene And you're going to see what I really can do. What he's promising here is what I began to see in the scriptures as I was being impacted with a a teaching series from a, a former pastor. The pattern in the scripture is this he is promising power along the way. And I want you to catch this this morning because I think it will change your concept of spiritual growth, growing in your Christian walk if you understand this concept of power along the way. Now, we would prefer, I would prefer to receive power before the blessing, right? Before the crisis, before the problem, I would like God to intervene and bring a solution and power to my life so I don't have to step into the problem towards the water's edge without knowing God has already done something. But in this passage, God says, I'm going to give you power but you're going to have to start walking first. I'm going to give you power in route. Now some of you know how the story ends. The, the children of Israel, they reach the water's edge. And then God parts these waters. They walk across on dry land. Pharaoh's army comes behind them. And about halfway across that water, God uh, then kind of relaxes his grip on the situation. And the entire army of Pharaoh, they do a, a swim, which turns out pretty bad. For them, God does exactly what he promises to do. He gives strength along the way. The next stop on this little field trip, is Joshua chapter 3, it's kind of a similar story, a similar situation here. Joshua's finally given clearance to take the children of Israel into the promised land. They spent like an entire generation wandering through the Sinai Peninsula because of the disobedience of of their parents. And now God says, hey, today's the day. Get up. We're going into the promised land. Get everybody assembled. Get them ready. Only one problem. Uh, To get to the promised land, they needed to cross the river Jordan. And it just so happened at this time of year that the Jordan River was at flood stage. Uncrossable. No bridge, like no boat, no like ferrymen out there uh, to to take them across. Nothing, just no way to get across. No problem, says God. No problem, He says to Joshua. Here's what you're gonna do: organize the people and put the Ark of the Covenant in front of the line, and then start marching toward the flood waters of the Jordan River. Again, stop. You're like fifth in line, right? And you're walking toward the water's edge here. And this isn't just like the Red Sea that could be a calm sea. This is a flooded, rushing river. And as you're walking up to the edge and looking at this, you're with your family, you're with your children, you're fifth in line here. And you go like, this is madness. This is not going to end well here. And then Joshua chapter 3, verse 8, God intervenes. God gives his command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Can you imagine what he's saying here? Uh, Go ahead and get out into the water. They get out in the water. They're ankle deep in the water, which means, I mean, they're committed at this point. They're getting wet. And can I just tell you— I thought I wouldn't be here today after hitting that water this week in that video. Um, I thought Anson was going to have to come to the bottom of the lake and dig me out. Um, these guys, are committed. They're ankle deep, and they're committed to what God is telling them to do here. And guess what happens? God stops the flow of the Jordan River, and they walk across on dry land. Once again, we see this principle— Power delivered along the way. Jump to the New Testament with me. Watch. uh, Jesus performs his very first miracle here. You may know the story. He's at this wedding feast. It's recorded in John chapter 2. And verse 3 tells us this the wine supply ran out as the festivities. Now, this is kind of an embarrassing situation for the host who's supposed to supply the wine here, and they've run out of the wine. We would just say something like, hey, it means we had a great crowd come. But for them, culturally, this is an embarrassment to run out of wine here at the festival. Um, No problem, right? Uh, Jesus instructs some nearby servants to fill six large containers with water. Check out verse 7. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. They comply. When the jars have been filled, he said, now dip some, some out and take it to the master of ceremonies who's kind of like the, uh, the head wine taster for the wedding here. Can you picture these servants? Why would we take water from the tap and take it to the wine tester? We, he's going to just tell us what we already know. It's water. Never mind Jesus. I don't know, Jesus maybe has that look in his eye that something could happen between here and there, and it does. During the walk from the reception, or where Jesus is, to this master of ceremony, the water turns to wine. And it's like high quality wine. We know this because the master of ceremony says so. In fact, the wine taster says to the effect, why did you save this after everyone was already like half blitzed? They would have really enjoyed this at the beginning of the wedding. That'll play with your theology just a little bit, won't it? That's what that's what Jesus does. Again, power along the way. Somewhere from here and there, God intervenes. One more story I want to share with you, and, I, and this is a good one. Luke chapter 17. Ten leprous outcasts. They see Jesus, the miracle worker, right, coming over the hill, and they look at each other and they just wonder, does God do anything? Does Jesus do anything for lepers? Is there anything he can do for us? And one of them maybe says, let's, let's just give it a try, because what we see in Scripture is they all start to shout, because they have to keep their distance due to their disease. They start to shout out to Jesus from the distance. It says, as he entered a, a village there, ten leopards stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have you ever cried that out to Jesus? Here's what Jesus says to them. Uh, well, at first, they're saying, Do a miracle, heal us. We need divine power. We cry these things out. This is how Jesus replies, and it's quite simple. Listen to this in verse 14. He looked at them and he says, Go show yourself to the priest. You might read that and not think much of it, but the priest for the, for the Hebrew people served as kind of a, an unofficial, like, health center. And they were the ones who would declare if a miracle had actually occurred or not. Again, can you just see these lepers saying, wait a minute? We're going to walk all the way in town to the health department, to the priest, just so he can tell us what we already know? We're leopards. We we have disease. We're outcasts from society. We want to display a power now. Then we'll go. Then we'll go down to the priest and we'll show ourselves. But Jesus, like in his way, he is saying, it's not going to happen that way. No power now, start walking. Start walking. And I wonder, uh, it doesn't tell us in Scripture, was there just at least one of them who turned and said, look, fellas, I don't, I don't know about you, but what could be so bad? If we were to just take the walk— Is it possible that something might happen along the way? I don't know about you, but I'm just going to go ahead and start walking. I don't know if it it happened that way. The scripture's not detailed enough. But we know in the end, they walk and they present themselves. And check out what Luke describes in verse 14. This is what happened. And as they went, there's the motion, They're, they're, they're going. They were cleansed of their leprosy. They were healed. One last time, the scripture describes God saying, power along the way. Power. The scripture seems to be pretty clear, setting this precedent about that, that God is like more than willing to intervene in our situations, to to act supernaturally to the challenges that we face in life, providing that we are willing to get in motion, to get moving And I don't know if that's true in every situation of our life, but I think it's true in many, many more than we would realize. First, being willing to put one foot in front of the other and to move in the general direction of obedience that you know God has already called you to. And then the strength along the way principle comes into play and it'll be a game changer in your life and mine well, that, that's what I'm seeing. The scripture teaching us in this area, and God's reminded me of this uh, in this past year that all throughout Scripture, God has provided power. It's it, it's just a fact. If you read Scripture, that God provides this. He asked His followers just put one step in front of the other, uh, in front of the other. Just walk, get going, and I will show up, and I will strengthen you. Do you know, in the fa- past five years as your pastor, and today is like my fifth y- year anniversary being at this church, which I'm very excited about having been here with you. Yeah, thank you. Um, good. Appreciate that. Um, it, 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 it's been, uh, the more I think about it, the more it's impactful uh, to my heart. Um, so I won't talk about it much because, you know, I, I don't want to cry in front of you, all that kind of stuff. But I have felt God slowly increase my capacity as a leader. And I hadn't felt that for years. I hadn't felt it for years before I came. And it was almost like God saying, look, Tom, you you know where I've gifted you in different areas. So when you get there, you got to just get going. You got to just put your gifting and your ability to use and just go. Go. And I will strengthen and empower you along the way to help with whatever areas. I know, Tom, you've never been a senior pastor before. I know that things will come up, that you'll be on the phone calling your previous pastors and asking them questions. But just get going and just trust that my power will come along the way. And it's been five years, and, and I've seen it true. So true that as I asked you this week to just to interact with me about the next five years— that's the message that's even clearer to me. Keep moving, keep doing, and trust his power along the way. Now, for the remainder of this teaching, um, I'd like to just show you really how this principle can work in your life. Is that, that all right with you this morning? Good. Chris, thank you. And back. Chris has given me an affirmation to keep going. Uh, that's good. I was just going to stop right there, Chris, and just wrap up the sermon, but… Another 45 minutes? Yeah, okay. 45 minutes, he says. We'll just walk through this. Um, how can you experience power along the way? I, I just fully believe that as a body of believers here, there is an impact we can make if we're all in. Uh, as, whether we're at the school for the next 20 years, which we won't be, don't let me frighten you, um, or the Lord keeps the plan rolling just like it is, and we, and we break ground here in a little while and then move into a new building— I believe if we're all in, God will impact ourselves and anyone in our lives that needs to know Jesus Christ. Believe that fully if we're all in. But we can't be all in unless we're trusting God, walking in the direction that he wants us to go, and growing in our Christian walk. So some of you, I know, because I've talked to you, you have like these excruciating decisions to make in 2016— and they're in front of you right now, these decisions that you have to make. You, like you knew coming into the end of 2015 that you needed to make these, right? But the holidays were coming up, and nobody wants to make decisions on the holidays. Um, and, and you just kind of put them on the back burner. But now you're here. It's 2016. We're almost halfway through the month of January, and they have reared their head, and you're having trouble pulling the trigger, on what you should do or you know what you should do, but you're just having trouble actually doing it. And I think for many of you, you were hoping in the new year that there'd be like, like some burst of, uh, uh, of supernatural courage that would land upon you as you were sitting on your couch at your house. And the answers would come, and the decisions would be made, and the, the strength to make it all would just, like, land on you as you were watching the latest episode of your show, and then you would, the next day, launch out and do that. And I wonder, has that happened to you yet? Has the burst of power come upon you? Have the clouds, like, parted and and... And did there be, is there some unbelievable uh, dissension into your lap of God's like, favor and grace and power and courage that landed on you as you were sitting on your couch? Ha, I mean, has that happened in your life yet? Um, some of you have to leave or you have to modify a relationship in 2016. And you know you have to do it. The relationship was unhealthy a while back. You know, coming into the, ho- the holidays, you thought, well— I know I need to modify this or get out of it altogether, but it's the holidays, it's Thanksgiving, I don't want to do that at Thanksgiving, we're supposed to be thankful, um, and then Christmas, and you don't want to do that at Christmas, and New Year's, and now here you are. And your friends are telling you, look, you've got to get out of this relationship, it's dysfunctional, it's destructive, this is not a good friendship, uh, we don't even quite know who you are uh, when, when you're in this, and you know it too, but now you sit, mid January. Haven't done anything about it. Waiting for the power to drop. And you're sitting there thinking, if I was just like twenty percent stronger, I could do something about that. Just twenty percent, but I'm not. So you're kind of stuck. And just in case you're sitting here, you're married and you're like, see, Pastor Thomas saying, I need to get out of this, right? Not talking to you. Your time's coming in a minute. Not talking about that. Go back and listen to our before and after series and take notes this time. So, Some of you, uh, you need to change your relationship with food or alcohol or some addiction in 2016. Over the past year, the last couple months, you, you heard the whisper of God. You knew already God was speaking to you and talking to you about this issue. And, uh, and you know the Holy Spirit was saying, look, you've crossed the line now. You've crossed the line. And this is officially like no longer under your control. And if you don't do something to change this in like the very near future, the consequences are going to be awful in your life. And now it's January. And like you're waiting for this like big burst of energy, this big burst of courage and strength to be able to just stop doing it. And you might say, (laughs) but... If I was just 20% stronger, I could drop that. It just has a little grip on it. If 20% stronger, I could drop that habit, that addiction, and uh, that destructive thing in my life. I'd be over and done with that thing. But you're not. So here you are, you sit, and you feel stuck. In a church our size, uh, any size, and it's no different in a church our size, there's always people who come in like to New Year filled with like this frustration or embarrassment and shame over their ongoing dysfunctional relationship with money. And you swore like this year, like on a stack of Bibles in 2015, you were going to fix this once and for all so that it wouldn't be like an ongoing legacy for your family and maybe your grandkids and it would just keep spilling over. It was going to stop right here and now, um, but you didn't get it stopped. You didn't get it fixed in 2015. In fact, Christmas just sent you into a tumble with it altogether, And and now you're sitting here in 2016, mid-January, starting to look at bills, right? And saying, if I was 20% stronger, I'd cut this out. I'd change this. I'd do this differently. If I was 20% stronger, but you're not. And so you feel stuck. Some of you have career decisions to make. You know exactly what you need to do. But you're just like, if i just 20% stronger, I could do it. I'd do it tomorrow if I was 20% stronger. But some of you, uh, you have a marriage that is not going to make it through 2016 unless you make a change right now and a decision right now to start walking and expecting power along the way. And so for many of us, we're waiting, just like waiting for like the clouds to part, and the power to be imparted as we sit on our couch. And then when it does, then, then I can deal with it. Then I'll be strong enough. And what I'm saying this morning is that there's so many of us here and there's so much on the line. There's so much at stake in these serious areas of our lives. And we're building this foundation for ourselves and for our future. And we're still waiting for this bolt of lightning so that like this power would come down so that we could do what we know we should be able to do, and i don 't want to like like totally pop your balloon this morning, but i don 't think that burst is coming i don 't think that big burst of whatever you 're waiting for, the power and the courage to drop out of the sky, this descending power to hit you while you 're sitting on your couch i don 't think it 's coming i don 't think the scripture teaches us that way, and so you're going to go through 2016 if you stay on that plan. And you're not going to do a thing about making those changes that you know God is calling you to make. And it took me a little while to get to really see this and understand this in the pages of Scripture. So I don't want you to think I'm just saying it in a flippant way here. It's God's Word leading. But I'm saying to you from personal experience and from the precedent of God's Word— I want to recommend you change your plan this year. you change your approach. That uh, that it's more in line with what God's word has taught us this morning. Instead of sitting on the couch and like waiting for something to happen, something that would give you 20% more strength, I want to just suggest that you get off the couch and you install this power along the way principle. This power along the way plan. It's so clearly will outline in the pages of Scripture. And it's worked in my life personally. You see it work in the pages of Scripture here. It's worked in so many people, as I know your story here at our church. And I believe strongly it'll work for you as well. In fact, I would tell you this morning, if you would just get up and walk in the general direction that God has already called you to walk, I am quite certain... I'm quite certain that God's power will intervene somewhere between here and there, and you'll never get there empty-handed. I'm positive of it. But you're going to have to get off dead center. I mean, you're going to have to set out in faith. You're going to put one foot in front of the other. You're going to have to walk in the general direction that you know God wants you to go. And if you do that, I'm just sure God will provide just enough— Maybe more, but just enough for you to make it. Just enough for you to take another step and another step and another step and to do exactly what he's called you to do. And when I look at our church, when I say, man, what would it look like if 175 people were like just totally all in? I would say it it would first have to look like this. It would first have to look like people that are, are willing to kind of get out of their their comfort zone, out of their seats, out of their house, and to go the direction God wants them to go. And they would start experiencing this power along the way. Because when you do, guess what? Your mouth will not stay closed on it. And somebody on your street, somebody you work with, somebody in your family, they'll hear the testimony because you'll be excited enough to tell them. And they'll say, well, that sounds like a better plan than I've been working that, that's what all-in would look like here at Wendover Hills. If you start walking in the general direction that God is leading you, I'm sure he'll intervene for somewhere between here and there. God's power will intervene. You will receive what the phrase I want to stick in your head, power along the way. And for your sake, for the sake of like your family, for the sake of this church, and for the sake of the life of every single person who does not currently know Jesus Christ, start walking and receive what he has to offer. There's just, there's that much riding on it in your own spiritual growth. I'm going to pray for you in this area, if you'll allow me. So would you bow with me? Father, I realize for for all of us this morning there are just these times in our life when it's so clear we're looking at you or we're, we're listening for you and, and it's just clear, God, you're saying, y- you know where I need you to go. You know what you need to do. And we claim the lack of power. And Father, I would guess in this group right now, there's some that are dealing with some of the things we talked about in the sermon and others things that just came to their mind as we, were, as we were talking. But they know, Father, that they've been just sitting back waiting Hoping, and Father, you're just saying this morning, start walking, start walking. And somewhere between here and there, I will show up, I will intervene, I will empower you, I will make a supernatural difference in your life, I will change your situation, your heart, your circumstances, whatever I need to do, I will do it somewhere between here and there because I am a God through my word who has promised over and over, Power along the way. And some of you this morning, I know you're like, I want to be all in at Windover Hills. I like this church. I love the relationships I have. They give me a t-shirt every once in a while. I love this. But, but I, I understand this morning what's lacking in my life. I understand my struggle to be all in. It really comes down to my struggle to just trust God and to grow in him and to grow with him along the way as I am doing what I know he's called me to do. Or I'm giving up what I know he's called me to give up. Or I'm starting what I know he's called me to start and I've refused up to now to do it or or whatever the case may be for each individual here. And if that's you, I pray right now after the first step you take, if it's this afternoon, I pray on you the power of God along the way to take the second one and the third and on and on and on. But I am going to be honest with you as your pastor this morning, I'm not going to pray for God to depart, to clear the, the skies and drop in your lap a load of strength. Unless it's exactly what God is trying to work with you but I think for most of us, that's not the way I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that it's just, just enough to get you in motion. And you would receive along the way what he would have for you. And then I do pray you would not walk out of here with it not solidified in your head the first step you're going to take. If you got a, if you got an addiction you need to, to give up, then now's the time. Next week, it doesn't work. A month from now, it doesn't work. Six months, whatever, that, that doesn't work. Now's the time to trust God's power. If you've got a financial decision you need to make, there's something you need to start doing with your money, stop doing with your money, this is the time. It's not one more weekend or one more week worth of it. Now's the time to trust God's power. If you've got a relationship issue, if it's a marriage issue, if it's going bad, you're in a destructive relationship, you need to get out, now's the time. One more week is not going to help. It's not going to get it done. You've done that route. Now's the time to trust God's power. Take the step. Let him impact you. And Father, we'll we'll trust you in this area. And we trust that it'll flow into the next four weeks of the other things we'll talk about. But this step comes first. We pray it in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.